Shawty, what's all with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. It she know about the kid and fuck on my line. I'ma keep it up all with y'all. But Shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. Yeah, this slow mulatto. In today's episode, Jordan and I are going to go over the game twos of the first round of the NBA playoffs. All right, I'm back here with Jordan. We don't know where Butsy is. It's 420. He's probably lost somewhere. Uh, well, hopefully we'll find him. But anyways, <laughs> me and Jordan decided that we we're going to stick to the fucking plan and discuss the game twos of round one, which I'm excited to do because we had quite the games. Only a couple of them are like elite games or super fun, but... The, the ones that were super fun were were high-level games, and uh, I'm thinking of one in particular that we're going to start with that was really fun. Um, we're going to go over all of them. Some of them we're not going to go super in-depth on because they were you know kind of blowouts or there's just not really much to talk about. But for a couple of these ones, we're going to go in-depth on them. So let's start with the Warriors versus the Kings game two. What a game. I mean... This this one's gonna go down. It had a little bit of everything. It was a dominant performance from the Kings. The Warriors kind of made a comeback. Kings were able to get it done. You have the Draymond stomp. Um, just a lot of fun to watch. What was your first big takeaway from this game, Jordan? Obviously, the Draymond stomp is is the big takeaway. But I think taking you know that storyline out of it, I think the Warriors turnovers stood out to me as like shocking they had 20 turnovers and it was just obvious the whole game it was killing them and the kings are a team you really can't turn it over against because they are so fast up the floor if you have a live ball turnover it's getting scored on the other end um so i i thought the warriors were careless all game and then but once they started coming back i was like oh okay like they're gonna figure this out and they're gonna close the game and they tied it i think they even went up like 102 to 101 but for whatever reason, they just failed to execute on offense. And the Kings, again, not a team you can, you know, struggle offensively against because the Kings are going to execute on offense, and they did. Darren Fox, obviously another great game. But for the Warriors, yeah, I'm concerned. Like, I, I thought they would be able to score much easier against this Kings team. And the Kings last game won with defense, which I would never have expected. Yeah, defensively, that was kind of a takeaway that I had as well. Um, I just, I loved what the Kings did. They were throwing, there was this one thing they were doing in particular where Sabonis and Fox would go double Curry, um, and Sabonis would just leave Kevon Looney because that was his man. And Kevon Looney would be going up to pick, and they would just instead double Curry. And Curry just wasn't able to get the ball over the length of Sabonis in particular, and Fox has really long arms. And Curry just couldn't pass out of it, and he turned the ball over. Um, I thought that was awesome. There was 11 steals that the Kings had that game, so they had their hands on the ball a lot of the times. And I also thought Davion Mitchell looked awesome in this game. I thought his physicality with Steph just honestly seemed to tire Steph out. I noticed that Steph got got beat up this game. He was hobbling a couple of times um, after he got up off the floor. So I noticed that he seemed a little beat up. And honestly, for the Warriors... They their offense was mostly Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, and that's kind of just what it's been. They don't have, and when Steph is, you know, tired out and not looking exactly like Steph, 
then it's a lot for them to score to keep up with the Kings, who honestly did not shoot the ball well at all. They shot, I believe, like 23% from three or something like that. So pretty crazy performance from them. Um, I also wanted to talk about the fouls. Uh, The Warriors had 25 and the Kings had 26 fouls. But the foul, the timing of those fouls is really what stood out to me. At 6:51 in the third, Looney gets his fifth foul, and then he would sit until 7:03 in the fourth. On that time, Sabonis, they just they don't have any bigs. Jamichael Green is just unplayable right now, so the Warriors had to go small, and Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, and Malik Monk were all able to just get easy layups by attacking the rim. They just didn't have any rim protection out there. Moses Moody just is not ready to be in a scenario to you know, play a lot of minutes in the playoffs. So that stood out to me. Is there anything else that you took away from well, this? I was, yeah, I was going to say, when you go small, whoever the extra small guy is has to contribute on offense. And I, a lot of the time it's pool, and oh. he just hasn't been able to get going. He was he abysmal. Only, yeah, he only got seven shots, which, like, for pool, I feel like he's more usually around the 12 to 14 range. But I don't know. He just doesn't look like he can create space and, and get a good look. So – like like you said, when they take Looney off and they go small, that's like a calling card of the Warriors. Like that's when teams are usually scared and the, the Warriors go on these huge offensive explosions, but it just hasn't been happening because whoever that guy off the bench is hasn't been producing. Yeah, so a little bit more on Jordan Poole. He was awful. Four points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, one turnover, three fouls. He shot one for seven from the field and 0 for three from three. The um Basically turnover, got benched. He did get benched. That turnover that he had was honestly like an embarrassing pass for him. That was crazy. He threw it right out of bounds. One of the worst passes in the playoffs so far. And I mean, this is a guy that got that extension and his numbers are kicking in next year. And if I'm the Warriors, that that extension looks like a mistake. He is not playing up to the money that he is. And you mentioned going small. Usually when you do that, you need to have your defenders about you. Clay is just not laterally, laterally quick enough anymore to keep up defensively. Uh, he kept getting beat by off the dribble by Monk and Fox. And, I mean, he shot the ball well, and he was offensively held up to his end, but his foot speed just isn't up there anymore to keep up with these athletic guys. And I did want to highlight something that you talked about last episode, which was Wiggins. I was pushing back on Wiggins being able to be like a plug-and-play guy in the playoffs. He, looks, he looked good last night. Um, he didn't shoot the ball great. But he had, I believe, yeah, he, had 20, he shot all right. He had 22 points, and it just felt like all those were exactly when they needed them the most. Um, and his defense is elite. That's one thing that Wiggins will always have. Um, so I, I was impressed with him. But yeah, for me, great team win by the Kings there. I I couldn't, I mean, they and they didn't even shoot the ball well at all. They shot it abysmally from three. So that like, what do you see this series going to now? What is the main takeaways from the, in terms of lessons for you at least? I think in terms of lessons, it's that this Warriors team is not the same. And they used to be able to get away with their turnovers and and some sloppy play. They've always played like that because they play so free and fast. But they used to be able to rely on their defense and get stops when they needed them um, and then go on these huge runs, which they still go on, but not as consistently. So, I mean, they they play game three in, what, an hour here? And Mm. they have no Draymond. So... If they lose game three, I, I'm predicting that Steph goes for 40 tonight and they win. I, I, I like Steph, that as well. 
I think Steph is just going to will them to win this game and be the best player on the court and be show that he's, you know, a top two, top three player in the league. But beyond that, I mean, I don't think they can win a game seven in Sacramento. I just don't think so. Even if it goes that far, like it might not go that far, but I would think if Draymond comes, if, if the Warriors win tonight and Draymond comes back, I could see it going seven. I don't think they win in Sacramento. They haven't been able to win on the road all year. And they they just their defense and their turnovers are really concerning me and their bench is just abysmal. Yeah, and I was thinking about it last game. I just noticed that there's so much overlap on the Kings and they have uh Mike Brown, former Kings assistant and was I think he might have even been a head coach there for a while, but at least the, the assistant. Yeah, Warriors assistant. No, he wasn't head coach. He was the Warriors assistant on the Steve Kerr um yeah. coaching staff. So he obviously knows them a lot. And then you have Harrison Barnes, who the Warriors helped him get a max from Dallas. So he obviously is very confident when he plays them, and he played well last night as well. I think there's a lot of overlap, and the Kings just aren't scared of the Warriors like the Warriors kind of expect them to be. So um, real quick before we change, did you think the Draymond suspension was warranted? I personally did. I personally did not. I don't think – I think the flagrant two, kicking him out of the game – is punishment enough um Sabonis instigated it I thought that was ridiculous by Sabonis you just don't grab a guy's ankle um obviously what Draymond did was much worse but I don't think you suspend him for a game especially in the playoffs I think I think it should be looked at differently when it's regular season if it was regular season I have no problem with the suspension but this just severely hinders the Warriors and it changes the outcome of a series because like and, and it's partly because of what Sabonis did. Like, I think that has to get taken into account that Draymond didn't just do this. Like he didn't just stomp on him. He was fucking, I mean, he kind of stomped on the him. heat of the moment. What? Yeah. I mean, he kind of did just stomp on him. I mean, I, I, Sabonis grabs your ankle while you're trying to run down the court. His chest like, though. That's kind of like a crazy reaction. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying you should have done it. It's a crazy reaction, but I don't think it warrants a suspension because it's, it was provoked. The only reason I think it warrants a suspension is not the act itself, but the act of him screaming at the crowd, calling them pussies, and um, getting in the camera and being like, hell yeah, we live for this shit. I mean, it, he didn't even yeah. show any sort of remorse, and Adam Silver was sitting right there. So I understand why I got a submission, sub, uh, suspension, because that was a terrible look for the NBA when one of your players does a dirty move like that and seemingly thinks that he can get away with it and that's fair. You know, screaming in the crowd. That's the only thing. It was a bad I, look for the NBA. I think that's a much stronger point than yeah. the stomp itself. I don't like, think they should take into account past events because I think every they, and they all said it was based off prior behavior. I'm not yeah, sure I, I agree with that. that. Yeah, that yeah. should be a per situational thing. Like it should be based on the action itself, nothing else. Looking more, you know, not looking back at anything. But um, yeah, that's well, let's cut that short because that's all I've fucking heard about for the last two three days, and I'm kind of tired yeah. talking about it. Honestly, let's talk now about the T Wolves and the Nuggets game um if you looked at the box score of this game you would have been like oh this was a really good game it was really close this looked like uh to me that denver was playing with their food for lack of a better term they just kind of got a little tired of being up by so much and they let the t wolves come back into the game and then they kind of put their foot down but yeah i have a bunch of takeaways here but let's start with you what do you what do you feel about this game Cat's just really disappointing. Like, yeah, yeah, really disappointing. I think Aaron Gordon's actually giving Cat a a lot of trouble 
in that one-on-one matchup whenever they're matched up, which, I mean, I wasn't really expecting, but Gordon's a good defender. How, what? How, sorry, how, sorry to cut you off, but how about when – um. How about what Jokic is doing with Gordon on the pick and roll? The Cat and Gobert don't know how to guard I, the double yeah, bigs. That's one of my my points. Basically, what Max is talking about is like whenever like Jokic will have the ball at the top of the key and Gordon will come up and set a screen, a screen yeah. like quote unquote screen. And as soon as Jokic like takes a dribble, Gordon basically just cuts to the basket and it's a it was a wide open lob two times in the game. Um, and, uh, to clear it up a little bit, Cat is has been guarding Gordon, yeah, and Gobert has been on Jokic, or kind of they they've been switching both. But when they go up for that pick, you know, either you got to switch or fight through the screen. But they don't know what to do. They can't not even a screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a fake it's not, screen. It, yeah, it's it's a slip screen, and Cat yeah. is trying to cheat it and like thinks he's about to switch onto Jokic, and it's like, dude, you think Jokic is like blazing speed is gonna? Yeah force you to like step up that fast you you can't like pre-switch and he's uh, trying to cheat against gordon he's trying to cheat cheat against gordon when cat does not have the foot speed that gordon has so i'm glad you noticed that too because it's just painfully like cat just does not have the defensive iq to like warrant being on the floor like he has to get taken off some of these times because he lets up when the Best player on the other team is a center, a point center like Jokic, which that doesn't happen very often. But I mean, like this would happen against Giannis and Brook Lopez if they play the Nuggets or um the minute the Timberwolves somehow in the finals, like they would torch them too. Um, they just can't figure it out. Yeah, I think we have shit on Gobert a lot, uh this this year for the T Wolves, but this series is just a a cat exposed like <laughs> montage every time I watch it. Uh he's either getting burned or he's getting clamped up and he can't make shots. So I mean it I, I don't understand why that like screen is such a tough concept for them to grasp, but hopefully they'll adjust to that. I don't know. Uh overall though for this game, I think a ton of turnovers from Cat and from the T Wolves as well. Denver really got out in transition well. And they just kind of get rebounds and go, get steals and go. Um, that was my biggest takeaway was bad turnovers, bad defense. Um, quarter two go- rolls around, and Cat at this point I think had I still hasn't scored. Um, right away, he gets a ball at the top of the key, gets in his three point stance, and gets the ball poked away from behind by Bruce Brown, who just takes yeah. all the way and dunks it, and then. After that, he takes a bad, heavily contested runner that misses. Then he bricks, he bricks like this post move, and then bricks a three, <laughs> like right out. Cat just could not get yeah. anything going. He was also after Bruce Brown stripped it from him. That play you're talking about starts yelling at his teammates. Yeah, like I, I don't know <laughs> why I don't know who he was mad at because you can't hold the ball for twelve seconds looking in the other direction. Like in the three point stance with the with your back to the off ball play, it was it was insane. Um. My kind of takeaway was that Cat's not a bad player, but he's not a number one. He's not a number two option. To be honest with you, I think he's most like the best optimized as a third option or a fourth option for a, like a championship team. Because like if you're if you're saying like he's elite enough to be on a championship team, I don't know if he could ever be on a team because he commands to be a number one or a number two option. But he's not that. He's not 
elite enough offensively with his foot speed, I mean, to, you know, create his own shot enough. I like him personally in his catch and shoot. There was like a yeah. couple of instances where, yeah, where Edwards was kind of driving and then tossing it out to Cat in the corner and he's just splashing threes. I like that Cat. I like, um, you know, maybe after a couple of sh- like runs down the court, they're like, oh, Cat needs a touch here. Then they get to him and he makes a move and goes and gets a layup real quick. But right now, he makes the money of and thinks he is a number one or number two option on a team. And there's a team that'll convince themselves that they can do it with him, but I'm not convinced. Yeah. Um, Edwards is too fucking good. And the Timberwolves are going to make a change this offseason. It's painfully obvious, especially after they get swept by the Nuggets. And I believe they're locked in. I don't believe. I know they're locked into Gobert. There's nothing they can do. And we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Edwards is... They need to figure out how to build around him or he's going to walk. And Edwards is something special. He has 41 last night, um, literally off of just attacking the bigs relentlessly and getting easy layups. But he's something that's extremely special. And this just solidified to me that they're going to try and move Cat and build around Edwards. If And I think that's what they do. Yeah, I agree. I think Cat, if you pair him with like a top five guy rather yeah. than like a top 12 guy, I think he could be a, a number two option. But that's nitpicky i want to talk about a specific play there's 345 left in the fourth quarter the nuggets are up five at this point jamal murray has it on the wing with edwards guarding him and then gobert is guarding Jokic. so Jokic comes up and sets a screen on ant and rudy literally drops instantly like below the free throw line like dude almost at the rim and just like expects ant to fight through the screen and get to jamal murray I don't understand. I know NBA teams, the philosophy is drop coverage with bigs like Gobert, but you have to show for like a second, right? And just make Murray think. I, you can't just like sprint away and, and expect Dude. Edwards to get back to get through that screen. 11.58, first quarter. This is the first two seconds of the game. This is what happens. Jamal Murray gets the tip. He dribbles it down. And he receives a pick to the left by Gordon and Jokic. So it's a double pick, okay, for Murray, who's the ball handler. They are in man coverage, all right? Gordon is Gobert's man. Gordon picks Edwards, who is guarding Murray, and instead of coming up to help or switch or do anything, Gobert fades back to the middle about three feet underneath, like three feet in front of the rim, and Murray just drives around the outside of the three through the double screen and then just takes a baseline, and Gobert is sitting in the center for some reason, and does not have the time or the length to go baseline, and Murray's able to get this five-foot jumper. We saw the exact same thing in different plays and different times, but Gobert cannot guard the pick and roll. And it's weird because it's so obvious, but he doesn't do it. Why does he fade down? I don't understand. Well, I think part of this is coaching philosophy and the drop coverage scheme, which I get like you don't want Gobert matched up on Murray. Like You really, really can't have that because he's just going to get fried. But when you just drop instantly, you're leaving your guard to play two on one. Like, yeah. And it's it's either like, like you can't get through a, a Jokic screen right away. So Murray's going to come off that and see no one in front of him and just shoot the ball. Like, I don't know what you do. I don't know if Gobert is that incapable of like hedging for a second, just like putting your hand up maybe and then dropping. But that's what I see a lot of teams do is like a quick hedge and then drop. Gobert is not doing that. No, no. All right, so we see it the same way. Nuggets are going to sweep um, the Timberwolves here, and then the Timberwolves are going to blow it up. 
and they're in a terrible situation because they invested way too much of their future in a glorified role player. So they have Edwards, good. though. They have yeah. Edwards. So there is a there is a lifeline, but they need to fix this cat thing, to be honest. Um, okay, let's move on now. Clippers versus Suns notes. Um, terrible news where you lost Kawhi for game three. Hopefully that's the only game that we lose him for. Um all right, so my takeaway is kind of weird. I do think the Suns are gonna win this series now, but I'm scared for the future for the Suns. I agree. I like I'm, this take. Yeah. So maybe not this series, but in the future series, the reason I'm the most scared for the Suns is they don't shoot threes. So they only shot, they only shoot mid-range jumpers. They don't really drive the rim. They just shoot these mid-range jumpers, and it's Booker, Chris Paul, and KD are all elite mid-range shooters. Um, so in the 2023 playoffs so far, the Suns rank dead last in total three-pointers taken with 43 three-pointers attempted. The Bucks rank first, as of game two, so game three is going to change all this info. But as of game two, the Bucks rank first with 94. The Warriors rank second with 90. And Philly ranks third with 78. So granted, two of the, those three are in the West. So maybe you're not going to have to face them in a while, especially if the Warriors lose. But the Kings also shoot a lot of threes. The reason this scares me is they have to rely on all their scores to do all of their scoring. And the problem is they don't have that many scores because their bench doesn't score. So that's why I'm scared because, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to ask for KD, Booker, and CP3 to basically score all of your points to get you to the finals and win it. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say is we're seeing the games the same way. Yeah, I know. We've been locked the fuck in, dude. I might hug <laughs> I saw, you. My first, my first note was the Suns spam pick and rolls in mid-ranges. Like, <laughs> yeah. all literally the whole game, it's either it's Booker, Booker, uh, coming off a of pick and roll or KD coming off a of pick and roll. It, like there's no ball movement. There's no cutting. It's just pick and rolls into pull up jumpers, which when you have those guys isn't a bad strategy by any means. Like they <laughs> KD shot 10 for 19 with 25 Booker finishes with 38 goes 14 for 22. And Chris Paul basically closed the game on mid range jumpers. So it's like, it, that's not a, a huge like negative, but it's all they do. It's, it just Literally feels all they do. predictable and maybe a little bit unsustainable. Like, do you, I don't know. You think that, that like KD and Booker won't be able to keep up this level of shooting? Cause I kind of think they will. I'm just more, I guess I, I see what you, you mean about like, dude, you need more than two guys to score points. You need some guys to get easy buckets or open shots. If you're just doing like standard kind of like, think about it just math wise. Right. Say that I think the average score in the playoff games are like, like one ten maybe maybe that's a little yeah. high one ten to one oh six we'll keep it one ten because that's an even number. Three guys, I mean you you have if you're doing it with two guys, one has to get fifty, one has to get sixty. That's obviously not going to happen. I mean three guys, it's going to be like thirty thirty, and then what? Like I'm I don't know why I did math, but um thirty thirty and fifty <laughs> I think, but like. They're they're literally getting at some time like last game they got thirteen points from their bench so that like this isn't even a weird scenario the fact that you're actually splitting all your scoring du duties between six guys and I mean some of those guys can't exactly score so I don't know I am a little worried about them sustaining it I would say yeah they shot fifty for eighty five which is Insane. unreal yeah like which is kind of why I'm hesitant to like question them um. I'm I'm kind of more worried that they're just going to get gassed. Like 
Yeah. They have to play these five guys all game. Chris Paul is ancient. He's going to get tired at some point. And like with the usage of KD and Booker, they're going to get tired too. A um, couple other notes for me. Booker looks like he just can't guard Westbrook to me. Like, yeah, Westbrook- <laughs> let's do it. Let's, are you ready for it? We have to do, we have to fucking, we have to eat some crow here. I, I, yeah. That was my next note. I, I'm fun. It's funny that we had the same notes. Um, Mine said, I know at this point, I hate to admit it. I was wrong about Russ <laughs> right now. He is playing like, <laughs> I, I'm going to say it like I'm reading it off a list even because I am reading it off a list, but I also want it to sound very ungenuine because it is ungenuine, <laughs> but I have to fucking say it. Right now, he is playing like older Russ and is making winning plays. That's... <laughs> wow, you seem like really like you really meant that, dude. Yeah, that dude, um, that fucking hurt to say, but he actually is uh, playing like younger Russ, dude. I don't know where this foot speed came from all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, he did. Ha- he never really lost a step. He just is like better at getting to the rim. He's taking a little bit less jumpers and. Uh, this team, I think, what it is is the Suns are pretty long and lanky. They don't have like short, quick guys. They have a lot of like taller lankier guys that are a little bit slower yeah i'm not going to apologize to russ i'm just gonna like claim that this is a bad matchup and that (laughs) booker is like using all his energy on offense and he's not uh fast enough or strong enough to keep up with westbrook so they did i will say they dared russ to shoot a couple threes and he made two he went two for three that i mean it might (laughs) like but i just think that's such it's like a perfect russ game this game he only yeah. took three threes. He took 16 shots and made nine of them. Like, what else do you want from the guy? Um, just looked fast. He looked explosive. He looked strong. Got to the mid-range a couple times. But in the end, it wasn't enough because the Suns just made everything they looked at. Yeah, that's – yeah. And um, with – what's it called? With Kawhi being gone, I think Russ actually is going to get exposed tonight a little bit. Do you think so? Well, I mean, he's going to have to take – he's probably going to take like 25 shots or something ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. There's just no I way mean, he's efficient. I don't think he's carrying them to a victory. But honestly, if I'm the Clippers, I would be very, very frustrated that they're playing the Suns this round because, honestly, I thought the Clippers played a great game. I thought they played well on D. The Suns just hit shots. Like I said, KD and Booker just hit shots over guys in the mid-range. And, like, if you're the Clippers – how do you combat that? And then you think, oh, wait, what if we had like another scorer who was like six nine, had a great handle, could shoot the three, get to the rim? Yeah. Neil All Star. What if we had that guy? Yeah. Um, and like he's hurt this series. <laughs> he's probably going to be back in a couple weeks. And Paul George. And it's like you, you have to be kicking yourself for not going to the play in, right? Yeah. They fucked that one up bad. They should have, they should have gone to the play in. And I think, I think Tyloo knew it. There's that clip that going that's going around where he was like, "What score? What's the score in whatever game that they had to be keeping their eye on?" And then they, he like realized they fucked up. So yeah. yeah, I think they're kicking themselves here. All right, the next games we're gonna go through um pretty quickly because they weren't super interesting. I mean, the Lakers and Grizzlies game was a fun game, pretty interesting. Um, I mean, well, Memphis we just spent some time on on this game. I like this game. Yeah. So, what was your takeaway? I mean, Memphis just had a crazy first quarter. Um, and then from there, I mean, they a little bit in the fourth and in the third, uh, the Grizzlies were coming back, but they kind of like weren't scoring as much. I mean, the Lakers were coming back rather, but towards the end, I mean, the Grizzlies just were able to hold them off and get the win. Um, not a particularly good game from really anyone on 
the bench except for Rui Hachimura, who continues to let it fly. Um, one thing I took away was that the Lakers played all but one of their players, which is weird for me because usually your lineups are very short. Yeah, that is weird. Shout out Rui, man. <laughs> that guy's out of his mind right now. If he keeps that up, then, I mean, yeah, watch out because Anthony Davis is going to go two for 12 every game. But for me, the big story out of this one is, and I'm hearing everyone talk about it, rightfully so, is are the Grizz actually better without jaw? Like, it, it's every time jaw misses a game, they just have these amazing team wins that you, like, defensive stands and, like, huge offensive scoring runs, like, a balanced attack. What They had how many guys, five guys, six guys in double figures. It They are a completely different team. And I think the ball moves faster on offense. It doesn't stick as much. I think everyone plays with more confidence. They shoot the ball with more confidence. They trust each other more. They don't uh, question themselves. And the defense is by far better um, when Jaws is off the floor. I don't think they're necessarily better in terms of, like, can they win the championship better? But I do think, like, in a series against the Lakers, you might be better without Jaw because this is – this type of game is exactly what they needed. Just a balanced attack and really good defense. Is uh Xavier Tillman better than John Morant? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, 10 for 13. I don't remember the last time Jaw did that. 22 points, 13 rebounds. Tell me when Jaw's done that. No, yeah. um, he's obviously not, but Xavier Tillman, the hero of that game. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, this was an interesting one. LeBron looked like he got a little tired out. Did you notice that? Oh my God, dude. I honestly, one of my notes is, like I'm scared about this for the long term of the Lakers like playoff run this year. Cause I think a lot of us, including myself are kind of assuming they get out of this round. But when I see LeBron just play lazy on defense, dare guys to shoot. He, he let Brooks shoot mm. two wide open threes. One of them with a minute left in the game. And I'm like, Bron, like, if I know you you were tired earlier, but this is the time like you need to turn it on. There's a minute left. I, I need everything out of you, buddy. And yeah. he's like, he's just letting guys shoot. I know Brooks isn't the best shooter, but he's an NBA player. You have to at least put a hand up. Um, I don't know. Like it, it's concerning because I think we all knew like LeBron was resting during the regular season. He wasn't playing hard on defense. And when playoff time comes, it's like, okay, LeBron's going to turn it on now. And there, it seems like there's times where he just can't. And last night was one of those. Even though he played great on offense, I just think he looked gassed on defense. And I think he's looked gassed every one of these games. I think it's a concern going forward. Yeah. I mean, he showed his age. He's 38, and he yep. looks 38 for the first time. I know one of the first like, and the biggest times in his career so far. So that does scare me. I, I, as the games go on, my thoughts on the Lakers making it farther kind of go lower and lower because I just yeah, don't really like, rely on him. It's also, the West is so weird. Like I don't have faith in anyone. Our our pick was the Suns, and we're yeah. not super confident about them. No. Um, I wanted to talk about D'Angelo Russell. He had a terrible game. My cousins and I got into a massive fight again. They think D'Lo is better than Derek White. Can do you? Do you see what I'm dealing with? How wrong that is? <laughs> well, you should have sent him the box score. I did of the last game, and they were they didn't care. They're like, "What is he averaging? He's averaging 17, and Derek White's only averaging 12." And I was like, "Well, defensively, 
Derek White is just better. And then they said the West was better than the East. That doesn't make sense. Oh, come on. I know, right? That's when I was like, I can't even argue with you guys. You clearly just don't watch, but (laughs) you just don't watch the league. Yeah. Um, all right. That's enough slander on them, but they'll like I hope they listen and hear that back. Um, but yeah, D'Angelo Russell, two for eleven, abysmal. Um, all right, let's move on now. We're just gonna quickly cover the Sixers Nets. Really, the moral of this one was uh Maxi goes off. I believe he has like 32, and the Nets started to finally double the Sixers, which they haven't been doing all season, and it started to work. James Harden is not shooting anymore, and he's not getting the fouls that he's trying to draw. So he just is really um a super getting paid like a superstar to assist. Um, if you had seen this version of James Harden compared to the one in Houston, you'd be completely shocked because they're like the complete opposite player. Um, but yeah, uh, ultimately the Nets just aren't a good basketball team. They're f- made with a bunch of like middle of the pack kind of role player guys and Mikhail Bridges, and they're not going to win this series. Maybe they'll get a game. I think tonight, right now, they're actually like winning, and I think James Harden just got thrown out. So maybe they'll win game three, but who knows? Um, yeah, not really much to take away from this one. Any any quick takeaways or do we cover it no you're good i think this game that's going on right now is going to be more interesting to talk about maybe we can do that at a later time okay um and then hawks celtics i mean hawks are just not the perimeter defense for the hawks is just too easy for the celtics to exploit Derek white like as previously mentioned is playing out of his fucking mind same with malcolm brogdon and we're getting tatum looking like tatum and Robert Williams looks fucking elite as well. Um, although he almost died like four times in that game, and it was very scary because he kept yeah. falling down. Um, but yeah, I mean the Hawks just don't don't have the ability to cover us. Maybe we slip up and lose a game, but I'd be pretty shocked if we didn't sweep them. Um, and then Heat versus Bucks. This is what it was supposed to happen: the Heat versus the Bucks. I mean the Bucks just have a much better roster, and we talked about this before. We think that I thought personally that Giannis. Um, leaving in the middle of the game is really what threw the bucks off. And that's why they lost the first game against the heat, but it's pretty clear now. Um, I mean, they shot a record amount of threes that they hit. Um, Chris Middleton looks to be the Chris Middleton that he was before he got injured. And um, yeah, they're just going to, they're going to eat up the heat because the heat can't score. The bucks can score at will and they have elite defense. I think they finally figured out what it's like without Giannis and worst case scenario. They don't have Giannis. They figured it out. Best case scenario, they get Giannis back. They look great. So uh, any any on those last two games that you want to say? Yeah, I mean the Bucks game was just the Brook Lopez show. That guy's awesome. He's so <laughs> fucking good. MVP Brook Lopez. <laughs> he uh, I think he had a kind of a rough game one. He did. And then goes for twenty five, shot twelve for seventeen. Uh, monster on defense. Can't believe he only had four boards, but I, I guess it makes sense when you see Bobby Portis at fifteen. So Bobby yeah, that makes <laughs> must have yeah, just been cleaning up, but. I mean, yeah, I, this kind of surprised me because without Giannis, I, I don't know. The Heat beat them, so, like, with... A, I think he a, just got confused. I think they just got really thrown off their game plan because they didn't expect to lose Giannis. Yeah, also, Duncan Robinson got minutes. Maybe that's why they lost. Yeah, that's know. not good. That's not good. Yeah, the, <laughs> the hero the hero was a bad... Hero's a big loss for them. They didn't yeah. have any scoring, and then you lose one of your top scorers. It's just not going to be good for them. Duncan played well, but, I mean, he can't guard anyone. The, the Bucks put up 138. Yeah, not great. And then, all right, final game, Knicks versus Cavs. This series, my takeaway is this series is going to seven, Um, and I just don't like R.J. Barrett. He did not play well in that game. Um, 
I mean, I don't know. This was just this this series is crazy. I know the box score looks like it was a lot more of a blowout than it was, but it was close for a while, and then the Cavs just it was what we expected. Darius Garland, exactly like we talked about in the beginning, that Darius Garland needed to get back into the offense, and boy did he! And then Karis Lever is shooting the ball just phenomenally right now, and they didn't play a Coro, so they kind of said everything that we talked about minus Levert. We always talk, we always kind of shit on him, but you can't deny he's been shooting the ball really well. Um, yeah, it is. They told a like you can't shoot, so you're not going to play and yeah. you're playing guys that shoot. I mean, Levert had a horrible game one. That's why we were shitting on him. He just couldn't make a shot, Played yeah. really well this game. Yeah. I think the story is Garland. Um, Mitchell only had 17 points, only took 11 shots. So it is kind of concerning that you can, it, it seems like they can only get one of their guys going. That is a little um, weird on a certain night it just feels weird but uh Mobley plays much better Garland basically takes over was unstoppable and I mean yeah they they didn't struggle too much I mean you know, it was close for the first half but it wasn't close for long yeah um and then Randall looks like he gets a little injured on the Jared Allen block which I thought was a clean block it was just a tough play um I know people are calling Jared Allen dirty I don't think Jared Allen is a dirty player for that one but um yeah I think the Tibbs thing it's always a little weird. He plays. I just hate when he plays them when they're. It's like a game that they clearly lost, and he has those guys out there almost getting injured. Yeah. Um, Who do you have in this series? I don't know. I honestly don't have a pick. It's going to seven, and I don't know who the fuck it's going to be because it's just like, like you said, they can't get Donovan and Darius um, Darius going at the same time, and then Brunson always can go off, but he didn't go off last night. He's yeah. kind of wishy washy. I will say too that. Cavs home crowd is not anything special. Like no. it, it's I remember the LeBron and Kyrie crowds were unreal. And for some reason, uh both these games, like the it hasn't felt like home court advantage was a big deal. Well, they've both been kind of blowout games, but I don't know. I, I see what I, game I definitely wasn't. The game one, I mean, Donovan hit some shots that like yeah in the game and should have been crowd eruptions and they were just not sustained. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Madison Square Garden, if the Knicks lose one on their home floor, you know, which they probably do. I don't know. I actually, I just don't know how this, I, it feels to me like the Cavs are starting to gain their footing and the Knicks are kind of dropping down a little <laughs> bit or a little bit kind of unraveling, but that could all change when you go to Madison Square Garden. That's the thing. Yeah, so I, I agree. Yeah. After the next game is kind of the one, if it's like, the Cavs win the next game, then I feel like they have the momentum and I would pick them to win. Yeah. Um, all right. So we just wanted to get a quick episode out on the game two reviews. Um, we'll be back with game three reviews. And then we're keeping this weird schedule where it's like all the same game, but it'll be better as the games, as there is lesser and lesser games, we'll be able to get the timing a little bit better. Um, so for now, just after, at the, after, all the game threes finish. Um, then we'll have an episode where we review the game threes. Same with the game fours, and then keep going over and over up through the rest of the playoffs, and hopefully when the Celtics win the finals. So, um, thank you for coming on, Jordan. Let's. I'm excited to see some more basketball. I'm really excited to watch this uh, Kings clip, Kings Warriors game. Let's go Kings! And thank you all for listening, and we'll be back very soon. And Yeah.
Yeah. This Loma Lotto, yeah. could be a model.